Well, thank you, Peta, for that reading, and thank you, worship team, plus Lena. That was fun to have Lena join in a little bit with all that stuff. It is fun uh, just to see the kids here, and I know it's hard. You know, this morning, we don't have childcare because we've had a few <laughs> sicknesses and stuff, so, but it's fun to have the children in and amongst and just playing, and it's almost as if these kids don't know what's socially acceptable at church, which is great. Let's hope they never learn what is socially acceptable at church, that they feel welcome and at home with us. Um, now, as, as we've been going through this series, if you've been following with us, we're in the midst of a series on the mission of the church and what that looks like for TCC and really what that means in terms of our model, what that means in terms of our practices, what that means in a lot of different ways. And these last three weeks, right, have been difficult, challenging, right, in a lot of ways, because for, and this is our last sermon where we're going to really be talking about culture uh, and culture's hard, right? I mean, let's, this is, history is hard. Philosophy is hard. Dealing with our culture is not an easy topic. And we've looked at these last few weeks, the ways in which Christianity has tried to approach the culture around it. Uh, and if you remember that chart and matrix, you know, there's been these different ways in which that Christianity has viewed its culture, whether it is the church at times and in places has a very positive view of culture, right? Culture is a good thing. The direction culture goes is genuinely right, and we support culture and, you know, and, and adopt things from the culture, try to be relevant. We talked to a George, spent a sermon talking about that view, that relevance model or progressive Christianity and some of the dangers and good things that are associated with it. Uh, there's others that take a very negative view of culture, and that culture is inherently bad and wrong and goes against Christianity. And then, and then depending on where you view, though, the church's role in changing the culture, you're going to find yourself on that map. And so we talked about Christian nationalism, or these, this view that's prevalent within Christianity of having that the church's role is to bring about cultural change, and that we can, in fact, impact the culture, change the culture, and make the culture more and more Christian or in alignment with Christianity. And it really is this, these views then of, do you view culture hopefully positively? <laughs> do you view it negatively? Do you view the church's role in our world as, as very hopeful and powerful, or do you view it fairly pessimistically and it can't do very much? And while we've addressed a lot of the different dominant postures that the church has taken historically to the culture the one thing we haven't really addressed, and which we're going to talk about today, has been the culture's posture towards Christianity. Because, right, we can do whatever we want towards culture and interact with culture in the ways that we want to interact with the culture and the models that we think are going to be effective. But then culture has a lot to say as well in terms of how it reacts and takes its own posture towards Christianity. And that relationship between Christianity and culture is a complicated one. And if, I mean, you know this if you've been paying attention to news or history or just know, any, you know, if you've learned a lot of things. And this is what made that the Christian nationalism sermon hard at times, right? Is because it's a complicated relationship between Christianity and America. Uh, the two do go hand in hand. And as George preached last week, America is not, was not a Christian nation, Right? It is not the favored nation of God. That was Israel. That's the only nation that has been God's nation. Right? 
That said, even though America is not a Christian nation, it has been incredibly shaped by Christianity from its very beginning. Christianity was always present in America and has had a role in American history, certainly. In fact, it's very difficult to underestimate how influential Christianity has been in our culture. Right? It has had an incredible role in shaping the cultural landscape that we live in, the institutions that we have, all of these things, from our freedoms to our social services to just the way that we live and enjoy the freedoms and the life that we have, have really been shaped by Christian ideas, values, and worldviews, and Christians in key places doing and working towards key things. Like George preached on last week, there were Christians at our founding, and the influence of the Judeo-Christian understanding and values was right there, obviously from the beginning. Christianity had a huge role, if not the central role, in ending slavery in America or and across the world, in the women's rights movement for the vote, in the civil rights movement of the 60s and 70s, to really even, this was just recently on NPR, they're talking about the foundation, you know, hospital systems. I mean, it, Christianity has had an incredible impact on our culture, and we wouldn't have the things that we have today. There have been profound experiences of the gospel throughout our country, from revivals, great awakenings, Billy Graham, right? You, can, you name it, right? Christianity has had big moments and big impacts in our country. And in many ways, from the very beginning until now, Christianity is the dominant narrative or worldview that's accepted in our country. Which is why it appears at times like Christianity is a Christian nation, <laughs> because it has a lot of Christians. And you know, when you ask people what they believe, they're going to say the predominant says they're Christian. So then it's easy to say this is a Christian nation. But the presence of Christianity doesn't necessarily make the nation a Christian one, nor the culture Christian. And what's difficult is as we look at the history of America and we look at the history of our culture and that relationship with Christianity and its culture, we can see that things have changed. It's not always been a static relationship between Christianity and the culture, towards the nation and the church. In fact, Christianity's influence and just acceptance in our society and our culture is clearly declining. The view, like we were saying, of a, are you pessimistic or positive? Do you have a generally positive view of culture or a negative view of culture? Well, the same questions are asked of culture towards Christianity. Do you have a positive view of Christianity? Do you have a negative view of Christianity? Do you think Christianity is good for our country? Do you think it's bad for our country? Do you think it has influence? Do you think it not? And the reality is, right, the influence that Christianity is having in our country is declining. It's no longer as dominant of the worldview and the perspective that it once was, which is to be expected or perhaps lamented, but that's what it is. You know, in 1950, for instance, even pre-1950, nobody thought to really even ask anybody what their religion was. It was just assumed <laughs> that you're a Christian. But starting really in 1950, Gallup started asking people, and 95%, over 95% of the country was Christian in 1950. Right? 
the remaining 5% of the country was an other religion. So that's Judaism, right, predominantly, right? But the, even the category of non-believer wasn't even a thought. You wouldn't even put that on the survey, that somebody would not be a member of some religious faction or group. 1950. Today, 66% of the country says they're Christian in some capacity, whether that's Catholic, Protestant. Right? It's still the majority of the country, but it's obviously less. And then when you start to dig in a little bit into that 66% of the country that counts themselves as Christian, only 48% of those 66 this gets complicated. But only 48% of those 66 say that their religion is actually important to their day-to-day life. It's actually shaping. It's very important to them. Right? Only 48% of those who claim to be. So half of the Christians, or the self-proclaimed Christians in our country, right, say that it's important what they are. Whoa. That's, a, that's a not a, the, the number's getting small. Religious membership in America which Gallup also has been tracking, right, since the 50s as well. You know, the, in the 70, 1999 even, if we don't even want to go all the way back, I mean, the, the, the drop-off has been pretty severe since the, since the year 1999, around 2000. Things really took a strong drop. In 1999, 70% of the country was a member of something, a church, a synagogue, a mosque. 70% of the country would say they belong to, right, a church, a mosque, a synagogue. In 2018, the number is 48% are a member of a religious organization or place, a church, a synagogue, a mosque. Now, I don't know how right, COVID has affected membership numbers, attendance numbers. You can imagine, I mean, it's hard enough for those who are committed to continue to attend or be part of, to stay part of a religious community. Right, but just the participation alone, just the raw numbers of Christians in our country, I mean, it's, it's clearly been declining. And that group of non-believers, right, or has, has grown to up to 20% now. What it wasn't, it didn't exist as a category in the 50s. Now that unaffiliated non-group is 20%. That's, that's large. That's a very influential group within our country. So just if we look at our country from a raw numbers standpoint, absolutely, Christianity is categorically on the decline. Church membership's on the decline. Those who prescribe themselves as Christians is on the decline. Those who believe that it's important to them is on the decline. But beyond that, even though, but we're still the majority group, but it's not even just the numbers game because you can see, and more importantly than the numbers, Christianity's influence is clearly declining. In 2019, when Gallup asked people whether they believe Christianity or religion in general has a positive role in the culture, or is a good thing, has influence in culture, 79% of those who responded says it does not have influence in our culture, is not important to giving us direction. 79% right, say religion has lost its voice, is no longer a leading right, voice for direction, does not influence us or should not influence us in many ways. That's a large group. So almost 80% of the country doesn't see religion as an influencing factor in our culture. And it's hard to argue 
with those perspectives, right? Because as we just look at the cultural landscapes around us, and it does vary, right, clearly. You know, depending on where you live, what state you live, what city you're in, if it's a suburb, if it's the city, I mean, it's going to be different, clearly. And we're going to have some different windows and perspectives and experiences of how culture interacts with Christianity. But on a broader level, right, you can see that Christianity no longer is in the driver's seat when it comes to directing our culture. James Davison Hunter, in his book, To Change the World, which is this book that really has affected us quite a bit as a leadership team, and we've been using a lot in this study. He's a sociologist and describes really just what impacts culture, what really does seem to make a difference in culture, who really can affect a culture, And what you really see, and what he argues historically, it's not a numbers game. Culture is rarely driven by the mob, or by the most, or the biggest group. But rather, culture is driven by a very small group of people in very key places in a culture. In media, in academia, in very key places where they can set cultural narratives, and those narratives get amplified. That directs culture and directs the trends of culture. And Christians do not occupy those spaces. They just don't. Christians occupy a lot of spaces in our culture, but not the driving spaces of our, what creates those cultural trends or what those cultural narratives become. And those narratives as that are being produced more and more in our culture and that we see in the various news that we read through the films and television shows that we all watch, through the music, right? And just through the political spectrum, through everything, right? We see these narratives beginning to be more and more strong, but they also, we also see that they don't view Christians very kindly or positively, right? That cultural perspective or cultural view towards Christianity, again, it's not... Raw numbers would seem to indicate the opposite and say, well, the majority of the world or the country is Christian, so clearly the country can't be against Christians. But in those key places, in those key areas in which the culture is driven, Christianity is being maligned more and more and seen not as a realistic option or as something that's actually negative or bad for our country, for our culture. The changing landscape around us And for many of us, right, it feels like the landscape has been, or like the rug has been pulled out from under us very quickly. You really just even look at a few key events that we can all remember, right? If you think about in 2008, President Barack Obama was running for the presidency at that time, right? He ran, he he came out and said he was against gay marriage. He didn't support it or believe in it in 2008. It was 2008, and that position changed for him while he was in the presidency. But even towards homosexuality and gay marriage in America, in 2011, in California, 62% of the population of California was against gay marriage. 2011. That's, right? I mean, it's, whoa. In Minnesota, many of us remember, right, the Minnesota Amendment 1 that hit the ballot in 2012, which was an a ballot initiative, it passed both the House and the Senate here in the legislation to get onto the November ballot that it would change the Constitution of Minnesota to say that 
in Minnesota, we will only recognize a marriage as a marriage if it's between a man and a woman. And that passed both houses, made it onto the ballot. And polling leading up to it, especially in the years before, in 2011, the year before it actually was voted, it was overwhelming support that that would pass, that most Minnesotans were in favor of that initiative. And then it lost in November, and then just the next year, they passed legislation to make it legalizing gay marriage in Minnesota. Like, whoa, what happened? Like, just this change, the changing narratives, the changing landscape of our country. Our culture has responded to us and is responding to us, right? This interaction that it has had with the church and with Christians, it, it is responding to it. There's, other, there's a lot of polls out there, too, right now about evangelicals, which doesn't look good. <laughs> when the culture talks about, if, have you had a positive interaction with an evangelical or a negative? If you take out those who are evangelical, if you're evangelical, it's like 78% say you've had a positive interaction with an evangelical. If you are not an evangelical, it's you know, almost 98% say they've had negative interactions with evangelicals, negative views of evangelicals. Our culture is responding to our models. The culture is taking a posture towards us as we have been taking postures towards it. And we have to recognize that. Our culture, while we're certainly not at the point of being persecuted, right, in any way, let's be clear about that, right? It's easy to over-exaggerate the fact that we no longer are in favor is not the same as being actively persecuted, But we live now in a culture where Christianity is no longer viewed or accepted as this good that everyone should be or have, that it is a good thing for our culture, the culture would be better if everyone was one, a Christian, if we were driven by Christian values, that would be good for, I mean, those days are gone, and we don't occupy that place of favor anymore within our culture. Instead, our culture looks upon Christianity, and in particular, evangelical Christianity or conservative Christianity, orthodox Christianity, whatever kind of term we want to use, right, with a heavy amount of skepticism, right, and baggage from past experiences or the way in which they've seen Christians interact um, within the culture, which comes out of those different models. Now, this is all fairly negative. <laughs> I feel like George is giving me all the negative sermons, mostly, of let me talk to you how bad things are for all of us. Um, and it is bad. I mean, it, it does cause us, it, it's okay to feel sadness in a lot of ways for the way in which the culture has gone, right? Or for the way in which, you know, especially thinking of children or generations who now grow up, right? It, it's it's going to be hard. It's hard. And it's, it's okay, I think, to recognize that. But the good news for us is that this is not a new experience for Christianity, to lose favor in a culture. It's not unheard of for Christianity to not be the dominant worldview somewhere. In fact, Christianity has been in this exact place that we experience, we're experiencing Christianity right now time and time again. In every culture, 
in every nation since God has called his people out of Ur. His people, there has been a cycle of responses of that culture towards his people. It happens time and time again. It's so regular and predictable that historians describe it as seasons. Seasons of Christianity, seasons of the church within a culture. Because it's, it is what every... The, the gospel goes into a culture and into a place, and it goes through, it runs through the same experiences over and over, and then it goes into another culture, into another place, and it experiences the same things again and again. This is a little side point. Sorry, I probably shouldn't do side points when we're time-limited, but this is one of the reasons I, I believe in Christianity over other, any other religion. Christianity is the only religion that has ever jumped cultures. No other religion has done it. Right? The majority of Mormons are still in Salt Lake. Right? The majority of Muslims are still in the Middle East. The majority of Buddhists are still in Southeast Asia. The majority of Hindus are still in India. They, it's never jumped a culture to the majority group moving somewhere. Christianity started Jewish, jumped ship to a completely different Roman culture, jumped again to a German culture, jumped again to England, to the dominant, jumped again to America, jumped to Africa, jumped to China. I mean, it just takes off in a culture. The gospel goes into a culture and it takes off like wildfire. That's what Christianity does. It's as if it's true. It's as if there's something, right, that is just unstoppable about this spread of Christianity. It goes into a place, it goes into a culture, and it infects the people. And it runs a cycle. And those, those seasons of Christianity within a culture, within a nation are well described. Tim Keller describes them in his book, Center Church. And he talks about springtime. There's springtime for Christianity in any culture, in any nation. This is similar to what's happening right now in India. India is enjoying a springtime, right? It's hard going, right? Spring is hard, right? The chances aren't here this morning for us, but farmers, farmers get this. Spring is hard. It's not easy, but there's fruit. There's growth, exponential growth, Right? People accept it and want it and desire it, and it goes and it spreads. It's spring in a culture when Christianity enters in and finds new life. People accept it for the first time, and they are excited about it, and they share it with somebody else and share it with somebody else, and, share, and it's just this exponential growth of Christianity within a culture. Spring. And then Christianity enters summer within cultures and within nations. And summer is where, right, it's almost indistinguishable, the culture in Christianity, <laughs> right? Everybody is one. It's, it, everything's in alignment. <laughs> this is great. This is easy. This is nice, right? It's summertime. It feels good where you have this kind of relationship between the culture and Christianity in which there's mutual support and edification. It's almost indistinguishable, right? Summertime. You could say that America has probably had, obviously, a long season of summer with Christianity being the dominant, the main, supported, held up high, highly regarded. It's summertime for Christianity within a culture. And then you enter into fall, right? It starts to decline. It gets cold. Right? The fruit starts to shrivel. You no longer are favored. You're not persecuted, but it's clearly waning. And Christianity's influence, its cultural acceptance, it, 
you, it feels like winter is coming during the fall, right? Better reap up the harvest, what you can, and get ready for this next season that's to come. And then there's winter. And for many of the churches, right, especially throughout Europe, it's winter. It is hard going. There is no fruit or little fruit. It is faithful endurance, right? While that nobody is very inclined to support or join, right? It's been burned over. Everyone, we tried that, we did that. It, it's hard in the winter. Thinking of it in terms of seasons, though, right? I think it's helpful for us. It's helpful for us in a lot of ways because it, it enables us to really just be honest with the season that we find ourselves in, right? And this is true for all aspects of life, right? We know this. We all have to look at ourselves and be honest about where we find ourselves. As a culture and a church, we're in a season in the Twin Cities. We have a, we're a season here in America. And most church historians, right, would all agree that it sure feels like we're entering autumn, right? That it is going to be increasingly hard to bear fruit in a culture that no longer really respects Christianity or at least holds it in high esteem. Okay, that's the season we're now entering. We have seasons as a culture. We have seasons as a church. You know this. We, if you've been in churches for a while, where I mean, churches go through these seasons too, right? With a church plant, think of us 10 years ago and what that was like. It, we're in a new season. It's a different season 10 years later. It's the raising children season. <laughs> it's different. It feels different for us as a church. It looks different. What it looks like when we meet for church now, right? It's different. It's a different season. We will enter into another season as a church, right? We have seasons as families and households right, where you have a different times in your life where you can bear different fruit, you can do different things. But being honest about the season where you find yourself is good. And we have to then be careful that we don't try to just change our seasons. What pointlessness is that? Right, to be a farmer who is desperate to keep it summer. No, <laughs> you, you will waste your opportunities if you just pretend it's summer, if you never take care of the fields and prepare for the winter. You know, if you don't do the work in the season that you're in, I mean, what are you doing? Right? And we have to be honest about that too. It affects the model that we're going to choose as a church, right? It affects why we do what we do, right? It's why we meet the way we meet. It's why we put the emphasis in house churches, right? It's why we preach the gospel the way we preach the gospel. It's why we avoid trying to, those two groups, like we talked about Christian progressivism and Christian national. I mean, it's, we recognize the season that we're in as Christians, It'll affect the way in which we're going to interact with our culture. It's going to affect the way that we're going to interact with our neighbors. It's going to affect where and why we buy homes. It's going to affect the way we go about work and school and all of these things. And it really helps to change our expectations too, if we can appropriately think about the season that we're in. What season do you find yourself in and 
do you have the right expectations for that season? Right? I mean, if you're, a, if you're a family with young kids, okay, this is the season that you're in. Don't bemoan the season. <laughs> Be faithful to it rather than complain that and wish that you could be doing all these other things or bearing all this good fruit in all these other areas of your life, right? You recognize, no, this is, my, this is the season and the time to plant. This is a time of cultivating. This is a time of hard work. I'm not going to get to see that fruit maybe until 10, 15, 20 years, 30, who knows, with my own children, right? And then as a church too, in the planting phase, in the young children's phase, and families, like we're going to see different levels of fruit based on the season that we find ourselves in the church. And it's easy to think and complain or to wish for all of these different things or ministries or that or this. I want to see all these fruit. But that's just not the season we're in. We have to be faithful to the season that God has placed us in and do the work that's appropriate for that season. And as a church in our culture, we have to do the work that God has called us to do. Because ultimately, how we view this really comes down to how we view God and what we expect God to do versus what we expect us to do and what we expect the church to do. It's so easy to put all these expectations and hopes in the church as an institution in us as people, in spouses, to bear fruit, to do things, to make change, to get out there and really make a difference. But it's like, whoa, because really these disappointments, right? What does it say about our hopes if we're so easily discouraged when we see the culture turning away from us or when we lose favor? If we're so easily discouraged by the changing seasons, right, what does that say? about where we, what we hope in, the level of what we look to for our comfort, what we look to for our hope, what we look to for who's actually doing the work in this world. Do I really believe that God is going to do this work whether or not I get to see the fruit? Do I really believe that God is building his kingdom whether or not I see all my neighbors join my house church or whether or not I see more Christian films or whether or not I have more Christian politicians, do I really not believe that God is building his kingdom here? Even though I'm in a, entering into a season, right? do we not think that spring is coming? Do we not know that the kingdom is coming? Will it be an eternal summer? <laughs> like, that, is, that day is coming. So what would it look like for us to faithfully follow Christ in our current season, right? That's really the question for all of us. Whatever season you find yourself in, what does it look like to be faithful to Christ in that season? That same sociologist, James Hunter, writes that as he scans history, the history of Christianity and culture, he would say that he makes this claim that the only times Christianity has actually influenced a culture anywhere, at any time, in any place, has not been when Christianity was trying to influence the culture, <laughs> but rather when Christians were dedicated to being faithful to Jesus Christ and to the gospel. And then they tangentially, it just led to cultural change, <laughs> but not because they were trying to change the culture, 
but because they were doing what they were doing because they were trying to be faithful to Christ in that season. And then the culture saw that. C.S. Lewis makes the same thing, same idea in Mere Christianity. He talks about that of, you know, like if you're trying to make a good impression, you'll never make a good impression. If you stop worrying about it and just be honest, you'll end up being honest, right? Or they talk about if you're trying to be original, if you worry about being original, you'll never be original. Right? Like you have to give up yourself right, to find yourself. We have to give up a lot of our misplaced hopes as Christianity, about trying to influence our culture and the world. God is doing the work. How does this kingdom keep spreading? Right, Because you do look back at, I mean, Christianity's spread is unbelievable. It's as if there is some sort of spirit at work that is strengthening, building, working, protecting God's people in every season. It's as if God is the one who is taking care of his church, not his people. It's as if we get to join with him, but not do the work that he does. How can Jesus and Paul so easily move between cultures and people? How can Paul be everything to all people? (laughs) Because he wasn't trying to protect a culture or save a culture He was trying to build the kingdom of God, which is above and beyond every nation and every culture. We need to ask ourselves those questions, right? Does my disappointment reflect a belief that God is building his kingdom or that I am trying to build my own kingdom and I'm disappointed with the season I'm in because I can't do as much work as I thought I'd be able to do right now? Right? We need to stop holding on to our kingdoms and start trusting and hoping and praying for God's kingdom to come. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your kingdom. Lord, we thank you that you are the king. And Lord, that your kingdom is here and that it is spreading. Lord, that there is nothing that can stop the spread of your kingdom. Lord, we thank you that you have called us into it, that you have given us roles. Lord, that you have placed us where you have in the time that you have placed us, in the place that you have put us with this culture, with its perspectives. Lord, with our unique gifts. Lord, we thank you. We recognize, Lord, the challenges that we face, but Lord, we know that you would not put us here if you did not supply us with the strength that we needed for those challenges. Lord, we pray that you will help us and strengthen us as a church to be faithful to the calling that you have put in our lives for the time and for the place where we find ourselves. Lord, help us to be stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope that we have in the gospel. Lord, build us together in love and in unity, Lord, through your spirit, so that we can be faithful to you. And Lord, and that many will come to know you and will be saved. Lord, we thank you for your great love for us. 
and for your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.